This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core, where we discuss issues affecting Rutgers University and Central New Jersey. This week on Core of the Matter, we're talking about voting and last week's election. I'm here with Mary Hines. She's a resident of Piscataway, and Derek Horton, who is an engineering student here at Rutgers. So, Mary, did you vote in, the, in last week's election? I did vote. And Derek, how about you? Yeah, I voted. Do you think it's important to vote? I know that if I didn't vote, I'd feel incredibly guilty not voting because it's the only voice I really have in what happens in our country. So the things that you were voting for in this last election in Piscataway, people were voting for members of the council and for a congressman. Did you have any feelings about who was running for council in Piscataway? I did because I, but I voted my conscience in that way. Mm-hmm. I did. So what, what were the issues in, in the council for Piscataway? I wanted to see somebody who would make changes in the way the Piscataway is run because it seems as though, I think the benchmark for me is if you steal someone's farm <laughs> and you call it um, legal and you haven't paid them yet, but that farm is owed, I vote against those people. I vote against that machine. And which farm was that? Um, the Halpern farm. And so people who, are, who live in a town and vote in an election, usually they're concerned about issues in the town and things like property taxes and how the schools are run. But college... I did, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any issues like that at all. And college students usually have different motivations for voting. So, Derek, why did you vote? Um, well, I voted because, uh, I mean, sort of similar reasons, just that you have to voice your opinion. And um, I think that, you know, especially now, um, I feel like people in the country aren't necessarily as active, like protesting certain things and stuff. So voting is definitely the easiest um, way for like lazy college students to get out and voice their opinions. And did you vote are you registered to vote here at Rutgers or where you live? I'm registered to vote where I live in South Jersey. And was it hard for you to get back there on election day? Um, not really. I don't, I don't have class till late, so I just drove back in the morning. I'm used to drive, so it was, wasn't a big deal. One of the options that are frequently mentioned for college students who you know, are registered to vote at home but are living at school are things like absentee ballots and mail-in ballots. Before the election, do you feel like you, you, know, you found out, you heard about information about mail ballots or how to vote you know, absentee? Um, yeah, I'd, my dad made sure he told me about absentee ballots. Um, I guess it's just crazy, but I, I sort of don't trust them. So I decided I wanted to go like, actually play my hand and like, push the buttons. So I've been told that one of the things that most determines whether someone is going to vote is whether their parents voted and whether voting was a part of, you know, a part of their family life, whether when your parents went to vote when you were little, they took you along and you got to look at the machine and things like that. So, Derek, did your parents take you to vote? Uh, maybe once or twice. I don't necessarily remember, but um, my dad's pretty, like, he, like, hounds me about voting and stuff, so I wouldn't, I mean, not that I wouldn't if he didn't, but, like, he makes sure to, like, you know, encourage me and my brother to vote. And Mary, when you were a kid, did your parents take you to vote? No, they didn't. And though when I had my own kids, they all came with us. So they all vote, too. So I'm really proud of that. 
All right. Do you think your uh, Do you think your grandson has gone to gone with his parents to vote yet? Yes, <laughs> I, I do. He did. <laughs> so a lot of people have gotten discouraged about about the electoral process. People who don't vote will usually tell you like one of three things: either they don't care, or they don't think it'll make a difference, or that they don't think they were able to get enough information to actually be able to make an informed decision. So, you know, what do you think of, are, are those obstacles for people in Piscataway? I think that if you went online and you looked at everybody's websites and whatever, I think in this day and age, that's just a real, that's not an excuse. That's not a good excuse. It's not even a reason. Yeah, Derek, what do you think? Um, well, I think that uh, I agree that being uninformed, like saying, or, you know, just ha- saying that, like, you don't have time or something like that is sort of silly because it really doesn't take that long um, to find stuff out. What about people who say that it doesn't matter whether they vote? Well, I think that's just a little silly, especially for college students. Um, The voter turnout of last week was, what, like 9% of the youth? So, I mean, that's so few. I I think you can say, like, pretty much every vote counts when only 9% turns out. So, I mean, you know, right there, that's proof. Actually, in the South Amboy mayor's race, it was decided by one vote. And the woman who lost is probably going to call for a recount, and then they're going to start debating whether, whether individual votes count or whether they qualify. So especially in smaller elections, it can really come down to one person's vote. So what do you think could encourage, say, people who live in central New Jersey to vote more or to take part in the government more? Too big a question for me today. <laughs> it's too big a question. <laughs> Derek, what do you think might get students to vote more? Um, I think that's that's a hard thing to say. Um, I know that a lot of college students get caught up in their workload and stuff. Uh, I know a few schools, a few colleges across New Jersey had off for Election Day, which I think would help. Um, I'm sure many people would just use that as an excuse to not do anything. But... Um, also, I know that a few people were complaining about it wasn't necessarily like as um I remember when the when uh during the presidential election, I remember that they made it like very clear like what you do to vote. there are people everywhere, and I feel like with the midterms, the schools like definitely didn't do that as much, and I think that plays a big part in it um also, just generally, students need to realize that even if they feel it doesn't apply to them. Now, the best way for it to, I mean, in a way, it's sort of good that it never applies. You should vote to keep it not applying to you so you're happy with what's going on. Um, The last thing that you want is to be voting after something happens that directly affects you and makes your life uh, a lower quality than you feel is good. So I think that's important. And in the presidential election, people did get very excited about it. They were very optimistic and they were hoping for change. And now it's two years later and a lot of people feel disillusioned, like the change hasn't come fast enough. They, I guess they figured everything would be, you know, better by now. Do you think it's reasonable to expect that there could have been that much of a change in the last two years? I would say that absolutely not. I don't think like, I mean, I think it's much easier to screw things up faster than it is to fix those problems um i mean you know before we had eight years of president bush and it you know it didn't take too long 
I mean, if it caused eight years to make these sort of problems, then how could they be fixed in two years? And I think that uh, people need to have some faith in, you know, I guess the current government's plans and, I don't know, just maybe see it carry out to the end. But, like, definitely vote if they don't like what's going on or vote if they want to see what is going on, you know, fulfilled or propagated till, you know, the end, I guess. I think that if the people who run our government would stop being politicians and start working together for the good of the people. I'm not looking for what government can do for me, but I am thinking that there are solutions that they can make happen that would make our economic growth happen. I didn't think it would happen in two years, and I want to give them a chance but I do see this political feeling and I don't like it. I, I want to see it work for uh, the people. A lot of Republicans got voted into Congress. So now there's a Republican majority in the Congress, but the president is a, is a Democrat and there's still a lot of Democrats in the Senate. So some people are saying that this will just result in gridlock, that neither of these two sides will be able to compromise at all to deal with the other. And that for the next two years, just nothing's going to get done. So some people feel that they want their politicians to stick to their convictions no matter what and just not compromise. And that's that's a big rallying cry in this new Tea Party movement. Do you think it's better for politicians to stick by their convictions no matter what? Or do you think it's better for them to compromise and find a way to work together? That's somewhere in the middle of their two positions. I think that they need to be realistic about stopping to think what's good for them first. And um, the Tea Party is completely scary. The amount of disinformation they send out on a regular basis about things like health care is just its frightening. And I think to myself, the Republicans had been the party of no for two years. We have got nothing done because of the party of no. And if they want to make something happen for the American people, they have to work together for solutions. And it should be not partisan at all. It should be something that is worked together so that it works. And then they all get reelected. But the Tea Party people think that they can just come in and say no. They'll be out in the next election. Because the American people want change. They don't want no. And in local elections, frequently one of the things that's the biggest concern to people is property taxes, especially New Jersey. Property taxes are very high. And a big part of the reason for that is that school funding comes from property taxes. And people always want to, you know, give as much to their local students as they can, but then it ends up costing a lot. So... Do you think the property taxes around here are too high? Do you think that they need to find some other way to to figure out how to fund schools? Um, I can't complain about my taxes <laughs> because my, my property taxes are quite, um, uh, they're, they're low and they are fair. And schools are important and I don't begrudge any money that comes from my property taxes for schools. Smaller communities have a bigger problem, and 
unfortunately, I've never really thought too much about it because my property taxes are fair and low. So, yeah. Okay. And is there anything else that you'd want to say about voting or about the election, or about how, how much people participate in it? I'd like to see that it grows. I think if Americans are unhappy, we should have seen more people vote. And uh, so vote next year. You know you're supposed to. And you need to register to vote. Minnie, when do they need to register to vote by? Usually, I believe you need to register to vote at least a month before the election. But if you're thinking about it now, now is a great time to do it. It's really easy. You can go to ruvoting.rutgers.edu, whether you're a student or not at Rutgers. Anyone can go to that website and find out how to register. That's excellent. This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core. This week, we're talking about voting and the recent election. And just now, we've been speaking with Mary Hines, a Piscataway resident, and Derek Horton, an engineering student here at Rutgers. Core of the Matter will be back right after this. This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core. This week on Core of the Matter, we're talking about voting and the last election, which was just last week. I'm speaking with Jana Gatina. She's a student here at Rutgers. So, Jana, you're a student here at Rutgers. Did you notice whether a lot of your friends went to vote or whether they talked about voting or thought about it at all? Yeah, I noticed uh, this year, actually, um, even on Facebook, there was a voting app that people posted. And, you know, um, I noticed a lot of my friends voted this year. And maybe it's because of the Facebook app and, you know, but, you know, this year I noticed that a lot of people voted. And are you registered to vote in New Brunswick or where you live? I'm vote- I'm registered where I live, but last year um, I did vote in New Brunswick. Do you think it's easier for students to change their registration and vote where they go to school? Or is it easier to just, you know, drive home on Election Day? I think it's easier to be registered where you go to school. Um, The thing is, for me last year, I think I was home at at around registration time, so I just happened to register when I was at home. But I think it's definitely a good idea for people who are in the area to be registered in where they're, you know, living at the time. Yeah, and that can be a problem for college students because frequently they move around a lot, and then they might forget to change the registration, and then by the time it gets to the election, you know, you have to change your registration at least a month before. Yeah. And then they start thinking about it, and then actually one of the uh, one of the places you can vote at Rutgers is here in the Livingston Student Center. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, and about, about, about 1,500 people are registered to vote here. However, only about 50 actually came in to vote, and the poll worker said that was because most of the people who registered here had moved away. And they just never changed their registration. I guess um, it should be more publicized, I guess, or there should be more PSAs about registering where you live and or registering more locally. Yeah, that's true. Here at the core, we made an effort to have a lot of public service announcements Mm -hmm. about voting and different kinds of, you know, different aspects of how to register to vote or different ways you can vote by mail, you know, absentee ballots. Right. And... Uh, that's what I'm gonna. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to do this year. Is probably do an absentee ballot. Yeah, just because I'm not gonna go <laughs> make the hour drive, <laughs> possibly, or whatnot. And actually, as much as we see a lot of political advertisements on TV, you almost never see any actual information about how to vote. That's true. You know, I noticed that too. Why do you think that is? 
I'm guessing it's because TV stations get paid a lot for political advertisements. I mean, a lot. It's actually, I didn't realize this until recently, but it's one of their biggest fun- like sources of funding are political advertisements. And people are paying more and more and more, mostly for TV ads, but they don't really get any money for public service announcements. So they don't really care. They're afraid. I mean, usually when you see a public service announcement on TV, a lot of the time it's at not, it's at a non-desirable morning. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's sponsored by a, like a company, which means that they're getting some money for it, which I mean, I guess if that's the The way they can make two evils, I guess. Yeah. If that's the way they can get information out, then better they do that than not. But yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'd hope there'd be money in telling people or informing people on how to actually vote or what to do in voting because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they do vote and they might be registered but they don't really know what goes into the process or about the candidates or anything. So maybe if there were more, you know, infomercials or whatnot, PSAs about it, people would be more informed. Now, overall, very few college-age people voted in this election. It was about a tenth of younger people voted. So what do you think makes younger people stay away from the polls on Election Day? Um, Well, I think specifically this year, maybe there weren't any relatable candidates. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for, you know, the general population, but um, that's what I think it would be. Um, I don't know, personally, if you can't relate to a candidate on issues, you're not going to go out and vote for anyone particular. Do you think a lot of students have, like this election, The there were some local elections like mayor, town council, but mostly it was for congressmen and yeah. congresswomen, mostly congressmen. Right. But do you think most students have a good idea of what Congress actually does and how it affects their lives? Uh, not unless they're a poli-sci major. <laughs> yeah, because oh, I have pretty much no idea myself some ideas but you know non-factual so you know like back in the 60s and like in the 70s here on livingston there was a lot of uh, like in the 60s there was a lot of student protesting in the 70s there there was was. a lot of protesting here in livingston and since then people have gotten like occasionally there's a little protest here or there but it can seem like students are less you know they're less politically involved they're less concerned with the world around them And there's always a stereotype with younger people that, you know, they don't know what's important. They don't care about anything except themselves. They're just into, you know, their rock and roll or their video games or their Twitter or whatever it is. Do you think students today are actually more self-involved than students of the past were? No, I think that when there's actually, you know, um, issues to be empowered by or, you know, like in the last, you know, presidential election, I noticed a lot of young people were, you know, really into it, went to rallies, went to, you know, speeches, were very involved. But I feel like it's really hard to get involved in the little thing. Well, not little elections, but um, to be politically charged for something that, you know, or for issues that don't really concern us, that we don't think concern us. Maybe they do 10 years down the line. But, yeah, I guess you're right in that sense. Peop- uh, us young kids or whatnot. Um, I guess we are a little more self-obsessed, self-concerned. Because maybe, I mean, these are technically issues that we will be facing, you know, some of the stuff that's com- like going on in Congress even right now. 
and some of the issues like local government and, you know, for people who are going to be living in the area 10 years from now. But as of right now, the only issues that concern us are like lower taxes and, you know, tuition rates. So that's kind of what we focus on, I guess. And things that are more, you know, about us. Last week, as part of our election coverage, we spoke to John Weingart. He's the associate director of the Eagleton Institute of Politics here at Rutgers. And one of the things I asked him was, are there a lot of issues that really affect students rather than, you know, people who are older? And he was saying that most issues really affect everybody, but people don't necessarily realize it because Mm -hmm. they don't hear about it all the time. And, you know, we were talking about the way... Laws and laws and opinions about things in society will change as younger people get older and start voting more. And one of the issues he mentioned that would be more important to younger people than to than possibly to older people, or one thing where they might have a different opinion, mm-hmm. is something like gays in the military or right. gay marriage. So, do you think as more people who are college aged get older and get more politically involved, do you think? that will be easier to change? Yeah, I think that our generation, well, hopefully, is the one to bring about the change. Maybe not right now, but, you know, when we are, uh, you know, older, as you say, um, and actually care about this stuff more when we have time, you know, in our personal lives to actually care about actual issues and not just be uh, self-obsessed, I guess, or involved. Um, I think that we will probably be more interested in in what you mentioned, like gays in the military and um, equal rights and all of that. I think that, you know, I have, I I hope that we will be the ones to change because as we age, I think that um, as, you know, we come into the seats of power in Congress, it's going to, it's going to be our generation. Like these things, you know, the tides always change. And by the time, you know, people who are in college now, if, like, they're going to be senators. I mean, everything's a little more liberal than it was even 10, 15, 20 years ago. So hopefully in 20 years when um, our college, you know, uh, us in college become the senators or, you know, in 20 years from now, maybe then it will happen. But hopefully soon. Do you think there is anything that we can do to get more younger people to vote? I mean, do they need more information? Do they just need more encouragement? Or I mean, is it that they don't feel like voting, or is it that they just don't really have enough information? No, I think um, it's actually a little more. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know how to put it, but you have to cater to the to the needs and interests. Make it seem cool. I guess that's the only thing I can think of. Because if it at this point, if it doesn't, then no one's gonna. You know, uh, eighteen to twenty four. Really, no one's gonna care if it doesn't seem or marketed accordingly. So we need like a new rock the vote. Yeah, exactly. And like an iPhone app. Yes. Well, it does exist. Yeah. 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 Right, so maybe that will catch on for next time. And I, it, it works for even, you know, like, ironically, um, you know, like the, the Stuart and Colbert rally um, for fear and whatnot. <laughs> it worked because they had an iPhone app and so many more people turned out for that than, you know, the other rally held. Yeah. Rally to restore. What was it? Rally to restore uh, honor? Yeah, that one. Or sanity or something. No, no, no. The first oh, one that was right, held. that one. Yeah. So uh, more people came to this one. Yeah. So maybe with a sense of humor, you can charm kids into voting. Right. And is there anything else that you'd want to say about voting or about the election? Go out and vote. <laughs>
All right, that's Shani Gatina. She's a student here at Rutgers. You're listening to Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core. This week we're talking about voting and about last week's election. And you'll hear more about that when Core of the Matter returns right after this. This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This week on Core of the Matter, we're talking about voting and last week's election. Right now, I'm speaking with Caitlin Balch. She's a student here at Rutgers. Hi, Caitlin. Good evening, Mindy. So, Caitlin, did you vote in last week's election? I did not vote in last week's election, actually. Um, I am an out-of-state student from Pennsylvania, and I did not register in this area for the election. All right. Did you decide on purpose not to register here, or did you just not really think about it until it was too late to change your registration? I think that I wasn't really keeping up with the politics of it, and... In that effect, I mean, I knew who was running, obviously. I knew who, uh, what the issues were uh, as generally as possible. And I also um, knew the opinions of other people. But at the same time, I didn't really feel that I would be really making a difference. I'm quite a pessimistic uh, political kind of person. So when you say you don't feel like it would make a difference, do you feel like that because you think the votes are not being counted accurately or because you think no matter how you vote, politicians are just going to do whatever they're going to do? I mean, I don't want to believe that every politician is a bad person necessarily. It's not that they are bad people, but you have to understand, and I'm not in their position either. So I don't understand all of the, I guess, uh, weights and measures that you could appropriate to um, a lot of the issues that they're talking about and a lot of the other issues that we're not seeing as a public. And by by doing that and by not really um, thinking of by thinking of only my opinion and thinking of my scope of what I want to do. No, I don't think that it's going to change very much because it hasn't before. And many people are disappointed with Barack Obama, even though um, they were so excited at Rutgers. I mean, we practically had massacres in the streets at Rutgers because of um, him being voted into office. And then you find out, oh, everyone's disappointed with him in this. Everyone's disappointed with him in that. Um, You know, Bush got two terms. And I just feel that you do expect the best out of somebody when you first vote for them. But at the same time, no one's really looking ahead when they vote. And you're not really expecting someone to be a human and to and to need to make exceptions and to um, make sacrifices for things that they may truly believe in, but that they cannot publicly do for one reason or another. And that's coming from a completely non-political person. But at the same time, I, I do think that um, the, the, the issues that people are thinking about, they're not thinking about them and how they'll affect us five years from now, ten years from now. They want immediate change. Unfortunately, when you want immediate change in reactionary politics, it doesn't work very well. Um, you know, nothing ever gets better after high school kind of thing. So we were talking earlier with Derek and Mary about how people were very excited about the presidential election. And now, two years later, they feel like there hasn't been enough change and they're completely disappointed. Do you think that two years has been enough time to really enact the kind of change people were hoping for? I think people don't really know what they hope for. I don't think they know what they want. And 
you have many different kinds of public in our country. So when we say, oh, this is what the public wants, this is what the public needs, you're talking about a specific kind of public that is yourself. You're not talking about the other kind of public that may have different opinions than you, may have completely um, different value systems than you. You're going to I mean, at least, okay, let's say in New Jersey, there is a very, very high immigrant population, and there is a very high immigrant population in Arizona. We are taking on those two populations in a completely different way, and we're thinking that down there, they're completely backwards. What are they thinking about us up here? You're not going to get an entire public opinion in a country of millions, and I think that people really let that speak for them totally and completely. They think that their public is the public. And unfortunately, that doesn't really um, that doesn't really conclude to a lot of progress for everyone because you're never going to make anyone happy. You're never going to make everyone happy, excuse me. People tend to vote a lot less in the midterm elections than they do in presidential elections. And we've been told that in part that's because in presidential elections the entire country has just a few people that they can identify with. They can find out. They have the opportunity to find out a lot about them. They see them everywhere. They feel like they know them better. And so it's, it's something they can get more excited about. With midterm elections, you're like here, we were voting for mostly local things like mayors or town councils. And then also we were voting for congressmen. And people have less of an idea what Congress actually does, what kind of effect Congress has on their lives. Do you think that college students have a good idea of how, Cong how or even whether Congress affects them? Absolutely not. Not in any aspect at all, because neither do I. And um, unfortunately, I'm going to be honest about that. I'm going to say, yes, I don't know exactly what they do, how they do it, how what they do is going to be respective of what the House of Representatives does, how that gets up to the president, et cetera, et cetera. Um, unless you are a public, excuse me, not public, uh, political science major, then you're not going to be really faced with these kinds of issues every day. You're going to be faced with societal issues as a sociology major. Um, I'm an English major, so I'm not faced with anything that is alive normally. So you, normally any writers that are alive today, it's, it doesn't usually happen like that with us. So I'm coming from an aspect of history much more so than in the now. And unfortunately, coming from that kind of aspect, you do see, um, you do see a much less interested vein of people coming in because they don't even know what Congress, House of Representatives, they don't know I exactly what they do. We're not going to remember from fifth grade when we had the charts of, of who does what and checks and balances and defining all of those terms and everything because we saw them as just terms. Do you think if college students had a better idea of how all these different parts of the government actually affect their lives, if they, think, if you, if they had a better idea of that, do you think they would participate more? Definitely. I think that people do need to be given a a much more simplistic idea of what they're voting for and why they should be or why they shouldn't be voting for something because a lot of people are very afraid by you know they're made they're made to be very afraid by huge block texts and many people don't read huge block texts i mean anyone who has an answer to a very long email from you or something like that etc cetera, etc cetera, um you're only going to scroll down to you know quote the important parts which you're going to lose much of the message along the way if you only read what's bolded and should somebody bold something like that 
well, no, if you really want them to listen. But at the same time, uh, the only way that you're going to get somebody to listen is really to simplify it for people who don't know enough. And unfortunately, that is the case in our country today. We're a society, unfortunately, of people who this is not the most important thing in their lives to. The most important thing in their lives is to keep their lives the same way that they already have before. And if they don't, then they'll complain and they'll whine. So last week on Core the Matter, well, actually for our election coverage here at the Core, we spoke with Elizabeth Maddow. She's the head of Are You Voting at the Eagleton Institute of Politics here at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they study how young people vote. And she was saying that one reason that younger people often give for not voting is that they don't feel sufficiently informed. That in the past, a lot of people might just go ahead and vote whatever way their parents voted, or if they're feeling rebellious, they might vote the opposite way from their parents voted. But a lot of younger people feel like they don't really know enough to make an informed decision. And in the absence of that kind of information, they don't feel like they should vote at all. So, I mean, have you heard any students say anything like that? I mean, I have asked people that I've been in contact with often enough about, you know, did you vote? Why did you vote? Uh, You know, getting into skirmishes with people about me not voting, of course. And unfortunately, you know, the ways that you try to harness that kind of information that you try to disseminate the information does automatically mean that you are putting the responsibility on the student to go to your website, the responsibility on the student to to do something just for the knowledge of it. And unfortunately, no one really does anything for the knowledge anymore without getting something in return, something, i.e., you know, money, a a gift certificate, something like that. They really don't do anything just for the good of it. And unfortunately, you're not even getting the rebellious people who can vote against their parents anymore. The rebelliousness isn't there. It's apathy. I'm more of a pessimistic, apathetic voter, or non-voter, rather, um, because... I'm not apathetic about the politics. I'm apathetic about the change that will or will not go on. Unfortunately, there is not a large enough personality that can take hold of our entire country because of the melting pot aspect. And everyone's going to refute this as I'm saying that. But think about how much change you wanted specifically or how much change you expected specifically from different presidents, from the presidents before us. Um, I do know that I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was talking about Ron Paul's politics, about being a libertarian. And um, they're actually, and don't quote me on this, but there's apparently they're actually the only party that has a, a constant platform that you can actually go to online, click on it and read their platform. It doesn't change. And it doesn't apologize for anything, and neither does he. So as as an atypical politician like that, how many votes does he get? 0.1%? Maybe? So a lot of the people that I guess you could believe in as people and not politicians aren't going to be getting the vote, specifically because they're not representing themselves as politicians should be represented. Little quotes around the should. So politics has a lot to do with money right now, especially information in politics. The amount of money that candidates spend on campaigns is going up and up and up astronomically. And a lot of that money that they're spending is on TV ads, which, you know, the government keeps trying to make rules to make them more fair and accurate. But people always find a way around those rules. So people don't really feel that they can trust what they're seeing in these advertisements. So do you think that the amount of money 
that's being spent on campaigns, do you think that's helping or hurting getting people to vote? I mean, I think that you could you could explain the increase of money and the increase of our society as a, a particularly advertising society. We're always trying to sell our people something. We're always trying to sell them an attitude, a characteristic, an idea, um, a lifestyle. Lifestyle marketing is huge right now. And any kind of people who are and anyone who's doing marketing at the moment as their major, uh, you can definitely always be sure to encounter some kind of lifestyle marketing conversation. And unfortunately, we are marketing people's entire politics, their political views, their ideals. And when you're marketing something like that, when you're advertising something like that, you need to make a punch and you need to make it fast. And I think that the increase in in the money that is spent has been as a reaction, is a reaction, excuse me, to this kind of society that we live in everyone is being advertised to constantly and unfortunately for that you need to be advertised to in the same way for people as you do for products we're seeing these politicians as products we're not seeing them as real people with families with ideas of their own with however many mistresses you want to talk about any scandals that you want to talk about everyone has skeletons in their closet everyone can be misappropriated in the media but you always take that on when you want to go for public office so unfortunately it is dirty but do they work do they not work do people just scoff at them and they say oh well you know that's that's just something they're misappropriating their their character or something like that or is it actually going to make somebody turn around and say well he's a crook as a person or you know he yelled at his wife and he touched her arm i saw the police report okay well should we vote for the good person or the good politician this is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core. This week we're talking about voting and about last week's election. Right now I'm talking with Caitlin Belch. She's a student here at Rutgers. And we'll talk with Caitlin some more about how the young people of today are voting when Core of the Matter returns right after this. This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This week on Core of the Matter, we're talking about voting and about last week's election. Right now, I'm here with Caitlin Balch. She's a student at Rutgers. So, speaking of students at Rutgers, when we were talking with Jeanne earlier, we discussed how in the 60s, students were known for being very political and being very, very concerned with the government and with what was happening in the world around them. In the 70s, here on Livingston, there were so many protests and students were very involved in the outside world. Today, there's this, there's usually a stereotype with younger people that, you know, they don't care, they don't know what's happening, they don't know anything. All they care about is their rock and roll or their, uh, you know, their 80s music. Their or dang their... silly bands. Exactly. So do you think it's accurate to say that young people today are more self-involved than young people of the past? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I don't necessarily think that they are more self-involved in the sense that everyone before us, the baby boomers and everything like that, or the the hippie kids from the 60s and who who walked on Washington and or marched rather on Washington and um, anything from Forrest Gump that you're seeing and taking a stand for what's right and what's equal and everything like that. I, I don't think that it's necessarily that they were more or less more interested, but we have more diversions that we can use. We can stay in our rooms all day and be a part of an entire world that 
is not anywhere near us at all. If you, if you actually, if you play or if you have heard many of your friends, of many of your friends playing the games that consume your life, let's say World of Warcraft or Farmville for all of those people who are diehard Farmville fans. Unfortunately, you're creating an entire life for yourself outside of your real life, which makes you A, um, disassociate from reality big time, and B, it makes you very, um, I, I think, unaware of your surroundings, of, of your real reality, because you can have the choice now to divert from it. So definitely there are people who who care, um, the people who are sitting at the tables at the NJPIRG referendum and are asking, have you voted yet? Have you voted yet? And um, a lot of the kids who have been doing who have been doing poll work. I know that one of our DJs here, he actually has been doing poll work and is very involved in that aspect of politics. And unfortunately, you'll get people who are very involved truthfully, and you'll get people who are involved hmm, secondarily. Um, and then you will get the masses who are not involved at all because they don't have to be. If you don't have to do something and you're not presented with something in your daily life as, as an impediment, you won't rise to the occasion. In that era, they were rising to the occasion of one race not being equal with another. That's a huge thing. And I mean, that was only one thing. That's a huge thing to get over. At this point, okay, we think that, you know, we think that we're equal. We think that we're all represented equally. Think also has quotes around it. Um, at the same time, you know, no one's going to be always equal all the time, everywhere in America. We're not always going to have things to eat, et cetera, et cetera. So unfortunately, because we think that, you know, all of our problems with society are kind of gone now at this point, that we can focus on ourselves. We've become an incredibly selfish society and we don't apologize for it. Do you think the fact that we do have so many distractions today and so many more than people in the past had that we have less need and even less encouragement to go out and actually talk to people or do things in the world. Do you think that's going to have an effect, especially on like on this generation of kids and, and younger kids as to like how they will get on in the world? Yes. Um, I actually think bringing children into this world at this point is probably not a very smart idea. Just from my aspect, from my point of view, at least um, if you're not going to, if you're not going to teach them how to give more of themselves than they really want to and to look at the rest of the world with an egalitarian sort of eye, I think that we're losing other people in in our own self-involvement. And unfortunately, you have so many types of connection that you can use now that you don't need to, once again. Um, you don't need to connect, or when you do connect, it's superfluous. It's, it's connection that everyone else can see on Facebook. It's connection that says, oh, well, I'm going to say something scandalous or funny, and then everyone else out of our 5,000 friends will be able to see it. So I think that it's much more of a performance aspect in society, and and that performance aspect ends up affecting um, affecting how people think about others, how they think about themselves. And for the issue of voting itself, um, for the issue of voting I in itself, voting for someone else means that you have to pay attention to somebody else. You actually have to follow debates. You have to watch something that you might consider boring, that you might consider like C-SPAN, that you want to 
you know, that you want to cut your eyes out and say, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I'd rather cut your ears off if, if it's listening. And people watch the Colbert Report. They, they watch um, Jon Stewart for the funny aspect of it. But they're not necessarily as informed. Um, they're not necessarily as informed as the, the, as the next person, Joe Schmo in the street, if they're watching Fox News. I know that that's a huge, that's a huge, uh, um, a, a huge problem for many of our, of our liberals on campus here. And you're never going to get an unbiased opinion in, in America, I don't believe. I know that I think England has the BBC and well, they actually do. I don't. I don't think that. I know that um, England has the BBC, and what they do is that they provide hours of unbiased news. And I think actually somebody somebody here told me that at the station. I do believe, and that's something that is definitely needed. You're never going to get an, an objective topic that's going to be produced without some kind of subjectification. Unfortunately, you can you you can try to minimize that subjectivity as much as possible. People don't want to do that now. We're a society of sensation of, you know, hide your kids, hide your wife, and with that kind of entertainment politics itself, um, societal problems themselves have become our entertainment, and therefore people don't take them as seriously. So Getting back to the original question, no, there there is probably not really a way to make people care more unless it affects their daily lives. Well, you're talking about things that motivated people in the past. You know, the hippies, people tend to think that, like now, people might think, oh, they were just idealistic and they, they were trying to change the world. But that was during the Vietnam War. I mean, at one point in the Vietnam War, people being dropped into the jungle, like soldiers being dropped into the jungle, had an average 17-minute lifespan. I mean, that's those were some horrifying conditions. And that was what was motivating a lot of these people to say, let's stop the war. I mean, it, because it was a war halfway across the world, but, you know, any second they could be dropped into that war. So that was what was motivating them. And right now, we don't really have a, I mean, like, thank goodness, we don't have a motivating factor like that. But the way things are going, if people do continue to disengage and not be involved, we might be headed towards a situation where things will be bad enough that people will actually have to do something about it. Do you think, do you think it will get that far? Yep. Yes, it will. And I will be in Europe by then. I was actually having um, a conversation uh, with a newer DJ, actually, uh, a couple of days ago, and she was talking about how she is probably going to stay at Rutgers for about a year, and she is going to go to the um, Israeli army afterwards, and if people don't know right now um when you are when you turn a certain age um, in Israel, you have to enlist in the army. It's, it's, It's a societal duty, so... With something like that, as, as seeing it as more of a societal duty, as seeing it as, as a job that you need to do in order to sustain your country and in order to just do your duty to the people who are feeding you, to the people who are allowing you to live in this country, um, it's not that big of a deal to these people because they know 
what it takes to keep their country running. We, as individualistic people, we don't know how much it takes to keep everything running. What if we don't get X amount of oil this week? What if we don't get X amount of whatever this week or something like that? People don't ever have that kind of idea because it's never happened before. And I was actually going to go into the military as well before high school and, or excuse me, before college. And I ended up not going to to the army, obviously, to the Navy. And, and unfortunately, I mean, you really just learn a different set of skills in college and in the military. Neither is better than the other. I really do think that you learn how to sacrifice for others and you learn how to take orders like you should. And you learn how to respect other people the way that they should be respected. Unfortunately, in an individualistic society like ours, you don't have to respect other people because there's no consequence for disrespecting them, for not following orders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that kind of, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say this on the radio and to potentially millions of people, but I think that if we instated another draft, Yes, people would go bonkers. However, would it make people grow up in about five minutes? Yeah. Or they go to Canada. But I think it would really make them grow up. Because you're being faced with your mortality, with your humanity. And when you don't have to face that, you forget that other people have that too. So you think people... Like, people in America now are not really taking responsibility for themselves or for how their actions affect others? No. Well, yes. I do I do think that they do not. Can you see anything happening here at Rutgers or in New Jersey that you think might be the result of people being apathetic about politics? Ooh, that's a good question. I... I guess I can't necessarily say that I see it in my daily life because people are apathetic to politics, but much more in, I, I think, just the way that people handle themselves and the way that they handle others, um, the Project Civility that's been started on campus, and not as a reaction to the Tyler Clementi death, but um, almost around the same time, they, uh, in conjunction, um, but not as reactionary from one to the other at all. And Project Civility is a really great example of 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 a, an entire university feeling the need that people do not respect each other anymore at all. And unfortunately, I mean, it's it's really people just respecting other people, respecting themselves, and respecting differences with other people, but not in the same way that oh, I'm never going to be sexist, I'm never going to be racist. You need to understand that you're human, but you also need to understand that that there is a certain amount of all of the isms in everyone. You're human. You can't get away from that. So when you're going out to vote and you're voting, like I said before, for the person or the politician, which resonates more with you? Does the person who resonate more with you speak really well and tell you all the things that you want to hear and kiss babies? Or does the person who you really want to hear talk to stand up for themselves? And do they talk about what's right and not what sounds good? Do they talk about what they really believe in, even though it may not go with their same political party, but about what they believe in? And that they don't 
shy away from it and then they and that they don't apologize for it i think that you you need people like that who who are not afraid of of the politicality of the political system it's a very lying sort of system i know that somebody told me the other day well you know we just have to scare the politicians as much as possible and then they'll listen to us i don't want to have to scare somebody into doing what i want them to do again different publics, different ideas. We're not all the same public, but at the same time, if I'm a part of the public and I want my voice to be heard, I don't want it to be heard through fear. And the last thing I want to ask you, do you envision yourself in the future, whether it be you know in America or abroad, do you think your participation in government might change in the future? Possibly. I do. Um, I actually don't have too much time to keep up with the politics right now, and I know everyone says that they don't have enough time to keep up with the politics or with this or with that. Um, but I actually don't. So I don't watch too much TV and I and I don't read the newspapers, at least in the political sections. Crosswords are always nice. Um, but later on, I would hope that I'm at least a little bit more politically active and not pessimistic about it because I think that involvement later on is going to be dependent upon the change that I see in my life. Um, it's it's a really weird sort of sort of effect where kind of I, I think I think that I think that you 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 do get a much more a much wider scope of of how things are once you become the real adult but at the same time you don't um, you can you can cloister yourself off as easily as you do now as you will when you're 30 35 40 45 um, you might watch more TV when you're a little bit older. So when you're not being a student and you're juggling seven things at one time, um, but that's not necessarily going to say that you're going to per- that you're going to get an unbiased opinion about things. That you're going to get quote the right opinion about things. So unfortunately, I do think that my later voting possibilities would be dependent on what I see in my life and what I see really going on. If nothing goes on then nothing happens. If things go on, things happen, then I would I would be ecstatic for even a change that I I wasn't supporting because it's a change in general. We're not just apathetic. They're also apathetic. The politicians, the country, the people who are running this. It's almost like we're all tired out in a way. And we're all kind of done with the problems of, of caring, of really thinking about how things will affect other countries, other people, other cultures. And by having that sort of imperialism aesthetic of saying, well, you know, this is this is me, this is my culture, it really works well and everything, and I want to bring it over to you, aka the war that we're in right now, um, for a lot of the reasoning, I guess that you could say, this is from another non-political person, but another, the reasoning that we're hearing about, well, we want to bring them the greatness of the Western society. What greatness do we have anymore? If we are apathetic, if we don't even vote for the people that we, if we have such low voting percentage rates, why are we so great again? This is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core. This week, we've been talking about voting and about last week's election. Just now, I've been speaking with Caitlin Balch. She's a student here at Rutgers. Next week on Core of the Matter, tune in to hear Tom talk to a couple of workers at a local hospice and find out what hospice care is and how it helps people in our area. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to publicaffairsdirector at thecore.fm. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future Core of the Matter, 
you can send that topic also to public affairs director at thecore.fm. Opinions expressed on Core of the Matter are those of the speakers only, and not necessarily those of WVPHFM or Rutgers University. This is 90.3, The Core.